Hello, and thanks again for downloading and listening to this latest episode of Sam Peckinpah's Straw Pods podcast. Um, this is another headphones episode. The audio is straight from Skype. So, yeah, just as a disclaimer ahead of time, put headphones on for this one and, uh, and enjoy. Uh, William Childress, who is my guest today. I had a lot of fun with William, and actually a lot of fun preparing for this episode because I got to discover the 1979 BBC miniseries of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is our topic for this entire episode. Um, give it a listen. And yeah, the, the BBC miniseries of TTSS is available on YouTube. You can watch it there for free. So definitely check that out if you got nothing else to do. And perhaps you don't have anything else to do. Anyways, enjoy the episode, guys. Welcome back into Sam Peckinpah's Straw Pods podcast. I'm your host, Colin. Uh, with me this week is a very, very funny comedian, uh, old friend of mine, William Childress. How are you doing, William? I'm doing very well, Colin. I'm in Atlanta. I hey, hot Lana is what how I hear it. Uh, how I hear it referred to, huh? How about that? Please no. <laughs> how have things been? How have things been there, like during the lockdown? Um, so I live in a pretty good area for that. Um, I mean, the way things have been is, has not been great. I mean, all my favorite comedy venues have been closed for a long time, bars, restaurants, all that good stuff. But, um, specifically for me, I'm very fortunate, still got my job. Um, and I'm not doing very many zoom shows because they're soul crushing. (laughs) Um, but I've done some. And that is kind of the, the my favorite thing about the Zoom shows is talking to the other comics before the show starts. Oh yeah, the well, what's the consensus is, among comics? Oh, look, there's some comics that are like, "Hey, get me out there! I just want to do time," and I respect that. But then some of the comics I respect most don't do the Zoom shows because so there's just not there's not the kind of energy transfer between crowd and performer that really makes really makes a good set. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I can totally get that because actually I haven't even been on a zoom call this entire time. It's not like you're hearing people laughing. The it, it I yeah. totally get that. There's no same energy. Well, yeah. So the, the, the only options for that, that I know of are that you let, guests have their audio on which is a disaster because you're going to get people talking and you're going to get uh hecklers or trolls mm-hmm. um the other option besides no laughter at all is what um the long-running rodney presents star bar show here in atlanta it's the, like the longest running um comedy show in the city mm-hmm. uh, they ha- we all the comics dial into a private zoom and it's comics only and then they broadcast that Zoom over Twitch. So they control who the camera's on, et cetera, et cetera. And that way you hear the other comics laughing. And they're they're there supporting you with their laughter. Mm-hmm. You know, which comics aren't the best at? You usually get laughed at when you when you like shit the bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll tell a joke and like it's past where it should get a beat, and then the back of the room you'll hear, ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> yes. Um I 
I've delivered a couple of those, actually. Um, I can't... I can see it, like, I haven't done stand-up in, like, two years. And so that part of me that was like, fuck, I just love getting up there. I love that whole thing. That addiction to it is totally gone. I can totally understand, though, somebody who's been in, in it for, like, a short amount of time just hitting their stride. And then all of this lockdown happens, just like... How am I going to get that back into my life right now? And then desperately getting on a fucking Zoom show. I don't, I don't see why. People are channeling it in different ways, though. Um, mm-hmm. Tim was talking about that, like, he was just like, well, I think he was making kind of like an um, evolutionary comment that, like, okay, well, what the situation now, it doesn't lend itself to stand up. That is not the venue in which to ply your trade as a, you know, comedian. Yeah. Do a, do a video or do and like the, the front facing camera videos where it's just like a list of funny phrases with mm-hmm. like cuts between them like that is such a base lame form that can be really funny i mean honestly yes yeah, <laughs> like people are people are kind of trashing on front facing camera videos lately but i've seen some funny ones really well and there's something to be said for the fact that those people are out there doing them if you look at it and you're like well i could do that then fucking do mm-hmm. it Yes. Um, but I, yeah, so I haven't really, I rarely get on the vibe of like, I have to hit a mic every night and some people would say that's bad. Um, but like I'll, I'll do three or four a week, you know, and including shows. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's times where I'll, like if I get a new, if I get a new bit, I'll really go hit a bunch of mics and try to work it out. But if I don't, Mm -hmm. I understand that's like, well, you should do the shows and get more of a bit. Okay, but like also, I'm trying to live my life and have shit to talk about because there's people that are at a show every single night and like they were going nuts when the quarantine started. Oh, sure. I just told some of them, I was like, please, for the love of God, just do something that's not comedy for a little while. It might make your comedy better to not be hanging around nothing Mm -hmm. other local comedians. Well, what are the... (laughs) These people who need to get on stage, like, what are what are the main jokes that are going to be hitting open mics right after this is all done? That like was, that's this is what I plan on doing for a video. Is like the shit comics are going to talk about when they get back. <laughs> you, know? you don't have to you don't have to tell any now because people can wait for the video. <laughs> but it is. So I just I don't know if people are really going to want to hear about it. Um, probably not there's there's only so many jokes that you're gonna want to hear in one open mic about bread making yeah yeah well so that's the thing is like i'm interested in hearing maybe somebody's unique personal experience during the lockdown but i don't want to hear like corona jokes yeah sure like i think uh, sorry um like we've been we've been in this shit for 80 days in spain now and we still don't know when the actual state of emergency is gonna end so, like, yeah, when I'm done with this, I don't want to fucking hear about it. Is Spain still mad about the fact that the Spanish flu is called the Spanish flu, but it's not from Spain? Um, You know what? I actually don't know if Spanish people are are angry about that so much as North Americans who feel they have to jump in front of everybody's bullet. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you, don't, you just don't hear about it here. But at yeah, the same I, time, I, it's not like I fully speak the language and understand every conversation or everything that people yell at me. That's a position which, which I'm familiar with. Anytime <laughs> I've lived, oh, it's like I never was fluent in any of the languages in the countries I lived in. Yeah. Well, like, 
I am learning. I am learning, and it's coming along no, I, well. Um, I think. Should I had a thought and it completely went out of my head. No. Um, <laughs> uh, no. Okay, so it was about quarantine. We've been in it for so. Oh yeah, I just read this book, Pale Rider: um, History of the Spanish Flu and How It Changed the World. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating. I mean, it was about the history of flus throughout you know, global recorded history and the Spanish flu and then about how it changed policy. And the book was written like 2016. So it even talks about like, um, like SARS and one of the more recent epidemics. I guess that's the reason the Spain thing was like so fresh in my mind because the Spanish flu came from either China, Kansas or France. They cannot narrow it down any more than that. No, because like <laughs> parts of it appeared in China at some point and troops were sent from China to the European front via Canada. Some troops that were in Canada came down to a proving ground in Kansas where it also festered. And then independently, it seemed to spring up in France around like obviously like military bases that mingled with civilians. Uh-huh. And all three of the cases were related to military. Um, also, you're talking, this is World War One, like, troop mobilizations, right? Yes. Yeah, so I also think that it was probably just a perfect storm of the fact that you've got this mass mobilization of people going across the world like they never have before in the history of humankind. Something's yeah, bound to happen. One of the few, yeah, that's one of the major global um, mobilizations, right? Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the first at that scale and at that speed. And also, this was a time where when people greeted each other, they used to spit in their open mouths. You know, until, <laughs> until the 60s, once Kennedy stopped wearing a hat, people stopped um, <laughs> giving what's called a Danish hello. And, <laughs> yeah. Little known fact that in China in the 1910s, people would walk around with either a... Uh, a uh, pig or a bat, and they would rub them together as like a way of saying hello. That's right. You, it's um, <laughs> glorious threefold kissing of the fates. I think is the translation. <laughs> well, during this also, entire time, like this would have been a perfect time to actually catch up on reading, but I just don't have access. Um, yeah. So we've just been watching garbage. And I realized, like I mentioned before, this has been 80 days. Mm-hmm. And so that's enough time to like I was just thinking today, like I haven't watched anything really good because we've been spending a lot of time watching 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of it. And we there's like about a hundred years of movie making and content that I could choose from, but we're watching 90 Day Fiance. But when I was thinking about that today, I realized that was like a month and a half ago that we were watching that. Like this has been so long of a time. It's just a different wave of the lockdown. Yeah. So where you kind of get, you realize, oh, look, I've developed all these ingrained habits or the ingrained habits have come out in these ways. I've developed new ways of coping and of spending time. And then you have enough time to even realize, well, I've stopped doing the stuff that I started doing during quarantine. So this is a new thing now. Yeah. Like it's gone it's on so life. long that there's no just one rhythm of life. Like it no, just goes in waves. World-weary. You're just so world weary. And there's just this like, 
ennui and you're just like, well, nothing matters. And, um, I, I've done phases. Like when I started, like work keeps me fairly busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having extra time in the day of not having to commute was nice. Um, my gym closed a couple, you know, late. My gym has since reopened. I've gone back to going and <laughs> they have like masks and temperature checks and it's probably not safe, but I would rather die swole than live weak. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I, I was really good about, uh, I'm reading and I'm reading every day. And then I just started just watching Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy over. Thank over. you. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about today. The, yeah. the 2011 Thomas Alfredson directed Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which you've watched how many times now in lockdown? I, I would say, now let's define right off the bat, watched. Okay. Okay. So there's two ways I'll consider it. I'll say played the film. Okay. Because right. sometimes I'm watching it and sometimes I just play it while I'm cooking or cleaning or just doing stuff around the house. Yeah. Uh, in the vicinity of my kitchen and television. In the vicinity so of Smiley. Like, yeah, so 20 to 30, easily. 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 Yeah, 20 to 30 of Tinker Taylor. Like, I can't think of, even, even fucking Marvel nerds probably don't watch their favorite Marvel film 20 to 30 times. Well, first of all, who wants to watch a marvel movie that many there's so many bright colors and loud noises a lot of people man just, I a lot of people because they don't know that they don't know that other shit exists i'm just saying i'm just comparing it to tinker taylor okay mm. tinker taylor you don't have bright colors you don't have explosions you don't have women who aren't either <laughs> objects or killed um it's <laughs> It's a real uh, men go their own way film. And if you're not familiar with that, that's a political movement born of the internet where it's just like, hey, we're dudes. We're just going to do our own thing. Like, it's, we don't hate women. Was this the not, precursor not to Dudes women. Rock? Dudes Rock is like the more chill version of Magatwa. Men go their own way. Meg, Megto. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Megto is just like, we just want to live separately of women. We don't want to deal with women or talk to them. We're not like, we just like, you do your own thing. We're going to go our own way. And let's smoke cigarettes in a small room together. Yeah. Like, why can't I just drink Mountain Dew? And (laughs) Vienna sausages never go bad. Um, It's just, it's real lighthouse vibes. We're just going to sit. Have you seen the lighthouse yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like I'm going to sit around and beat off to Scrimshaw and think about fucking a steak. But, you know, who doesn't ever have the type of urges to beat off to steak is is a George Smiley, um, the protagonist of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Well, before we before we actually like get into George and yeah. like the finer point of the film itself, I want to know, because you mentioned like no explosions, muted colors, like... The, the film right now, 20 to 30 times of watching it, is now, what, it's a balm? It's it's soothing? What what are you getting out of it? Sure, yeah. It's like a salve. It is, it's, I know what I'm going to see, okay? <laughs> um, I'm not even talking about, 
like themes of the film. I'm just saying like, you know, I know it's familiar faces and places. Um, it's, you know, two hours, 14 minutes, whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> counting. Sure. Um, <laughs> like, and I'll know there's like a couple spots in the movie that are loud. That's it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'll realize, um, you know, when I'm like in the kitchen cooking, I'm like, oh, they're, um, it's um, Smiley talking to uh, the traitor, Bill Hayden. Uh, well, what are you then, Bill? <laughs> like, it's one of the, like. Yes, like, uh, me, me and my wife just rewatched it yesterday in preparation yeah. for this thing. And yeah, it's like an even keel. She fell asleep in the middle and then woke <laughs> up and complained that she didn't know what was happening. And I can't help her. This is like yeah. this is a John Le Carre book made into a movie. And like they, I was reading up on the film on other critiques of the film, and it was said that like John Le Carre wrote books that were like almost designed to be impossible to film. And yes. so the the with Tinker Taylor, it jumps around in in time. So there's a lot, it jumps back and forth, it jumps locations, it jumps locations and time. Um, and it's not immediately apparent to the viewer who everyone is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but just because it, one thing I do like about it is it doesn't dumb everything down and explain everything to you. There is something I like about like, it's like, well, we're laid it out for you. Like you figure it out. Like it's here, you know, mm. or, or you you follow along as Smiley tugs at this thread and unravels this thing. Um, Smiley, played by Gary Oldman, a very Gary Oldman. Like, people say such a good role, but like I'm, I kind of see a I kind of see a big nothing. See, that's where maybe your tenth to twelfth viewings it'll really <laughs> start again. <laughs> Well, that's that's another thing, though, because like when you talk about the things that make it kind of like a soothing background balm, um, the, the way you say it, like to me, it could just that could be any number of movies, though. Right. It just to me, it just seems that you've glommed on to Tinker Taylor kind of because it was there or like. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the thing was. I had seen it a while back and I think it was one of those deals where like I watched it, I didn't understand it. So I saw it again on Netflix. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw it the second time, I was like, Oh, I really like that. And, um, I think I went back and I like spy stuff in general. I really like that genre. I like to read spy books, although I haven't like, I like to read nonfiction. Um, mm-hmm. so like the only John le Carre I've read is the spy who came in from the cold. And that was like, because I was, in Berlin for like a week, like, and I went to Friedrichstrasse and the you know, Checkpoint Charlie, all that shit. So it was like, oh, here's a book. Cause like when I travel, I like to read a book about where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like I read, um, what's the Graham Greene book in Vietnam? I, I do not know. Uh, no, it's a <laughs> famous one. That I feel so dumb. I can't remember. They made a movie with Michael Caine. Yeah, he's an old British. The Caine uh, Mutiny. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Michael Caine. It's an old Michael British man. Caine. 
Yeah, it's an old British man in pre-Vietnam War era Vietnam seeing the Americans coming in and fucking everything up. Like in the 50s. And it's very good. Oh, The uh, Quiet American. I'm just looking it up. That's it. That's, that is a fucking great book, great movie. All um, right. But like, so like the John Le Carre, so I don't watch it because I'm a huge Le Carre fan, although I am now. I just haven't read much of his stuff. I like yeah. spy stuff. Um, I had watched it the second time and liked it. And then I remember going back to try to watch it months later out of the blue and Netflix had taken it off. And so, you know, the absence of something kind of makes you want it more. Sure. So I remember every once in a while being like, oh, I kind of wish it was back. And then one day it was. And yeah, I don't know. That made me watch a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And so it came, like, did it come back to Netflix like right as quarantine was hitting, or what? In my head, it did, but I bet it didn't. Sure. Right? Because like so, when you say twenty to thirty times, I actually I'm veering more towards thirty because you post about it when you watch it, and it's been I, I a do. lot of times, William. What? It's been a lot of times, man. Yeah, it has, and so like. And those are all, I believe, I've tried to make sure that I don't ever repost a screenshot. Like, mm. it might be the same scene, because um, what will always happen is um, the beginning of the film, Jim Preto is being sent by control to meet a, um, uh, he's had an offer of service, is I believe the exact line of the film. Right. <laughs> and uh, he goes and meets this general in um, Budapest, maybe? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, it was Hungary, yes. Yeah, and in the, in, the, um, in the television version, the BBC version, which we might get to later, it's Brno in, in um, the current Czech Yeah, Republic. it was in the Czech Republic. Yeah. And actually, in the TV movie version, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I want to I, I wanna get focused in some way, but like... <laughs> In the Save TV that. version, there's actually an explosion in the TV movie version, which... Yeah, is, there's an explosion with a really bad fake death scene for the... Count you version. out right away. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you want. Um, but, but the rest of it... So, I, I think if I've tried to analyze... So, like, I, I okay, there's a, there is a superficial analysis of the film that I can perform. And then there's a deeper one of, like, themes and things. So it oh, just depends yeah, on what that's exactly what I want. Both. Okay, so the superficially, there's tones to the film. And like I was saying, no bright colors. There really aren't. You know, the it's a very drab London. The, the book takes pains to talk about how kind of shabby MI6 is. The British Secret, Ser- Secret Service, or uh, <laughs> SIS, is... Just a rundown, like, you just imagine everything smells like dust and mold. Oh, yeah. Old books. A lot of the rooms don't even have fucking windows. (laughs) It's just, and you know what it is. It's one of these old, big-ass British buildings they've sliced up into a million pieces inside. You know what I mean? Like, if you've been in that type of a building in some of these countries, like, you know what kind of building it is. It's rundown. And... You know, I lived in Myanmar. A lot of the buildings were old, big-ass British buildings that had been cut up into a million pieces. And it's so, it reminded me somewhat of that. Um, 
or they've been partitioned rather would be a better way to put it it's, the the wardrobe is also very like oh how to best describe it um there's some really powerful fits uh, <laughs> and it's okay here's the way it's like if the wardrobe from anchorman was serious that is absolutely perfect yeah and, the, wardrobe, the wardrobe from Anchorman gets serious, but the wigs stay the exact same. They're still from Anchorman. They really are. There um, is some bad wigs in this film. Well, the the most outstanding bad wig is um, is Ricky Tarr, um, who in this version is played uh, by um, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Actually, um, I was going to go for Benedict Cumberbatch, who was playing Pete Gwillem. His wig was even worse. Feel hair. Like, what? I think he has that kind of hair. I'm not kidding. It's like, it, we have that hair in the American South, and it's fraternity brothers in the state of Alabama. And it's, it's we call it Bama Bangs. And, <laughs> and he has that. Um, or like the Georgia Waterfall. Um, <laughs> but it's... Peter Willem's character threw me off because in the in the he's supposed to be kind of senior, but like not yes. not in the circus, not one of the top six guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's played by Benedict Cumberbatch, who's like twenty four or whatever. He's probably thirty eight, looks twenty four. Yeah. Um, but it takes you a while to realize that like oh, this is like one of the next top guys. Okay. Yeah, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character, Pete Willem is meant to be a really hard guy in his early 40s, which they actually mention in the book and in the TV series that a man who is uh, who was in his position, which was like a, a scalp hunter, I think they called him, he'd yeah. be doing wet work, like dirty, filthy stuff. Wait, and are you talking so, about Willem or Tar? Sorry? Oh, I'm talking about Gwillem. Like, uh, Gwillem had to be a Tar person. Like, Gwillem had to do all that wet work to get to oh, where yeah. he is. Oh, yeah. And after yeah. after people get to his age, which they mention over 40, they start to break. Benedict Cumberbatch was in that role pretty much, I think, just because this was a British cultural like content output. And they need Benedict Cumberbatch. They need Tom Hardy. They need Gary Oldman. Like, That's they- the thing, too, is that is the cast is so many... It's great, okay? <laughs> and, like, uh, even... Siren Hines plays Roy Bland, who's just exactly the name you would think. And um, Siren Hines, you've seen in um, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, he was True, partner yeah. for. He was in The Terror. He's a, he's an amazing actor. He's a fantastic actor, and he was great in in the HBO series Rome, which yes. should be, which we should really direct national resources towards bringing that back. Shit, frankly. that's one of those shows that like you forget that it was even. I haven't rewatched that since. Actually, I've never rewatched it. I just watched it when it was originally on. Rewatch Rome. I'm pretty oh, sure it's yeah. on Amazon Prime. It is. It's. I think it's better now. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. And that's probably what I'm going to watch next. Um, but the so there's a couple outfits that stick out in my mind in particular, and one of those is Bill Hayden, um, played by um, um, what's his face? Colin Firth. Colin, yes. Are you talking about the uh, corduroy trench coat? Corduroy trench coat. Yes. It has to weigh 80 pounds. Corduroy (laughs) is a heavy fabric, 
and this is not like a slim cut 2000s trench coat. You know no, what I mean? This it's is a like a build. house coat. Yeah, he, he should have rollers in his fucking hair. And um, I don't that, know. It's, it's really great, and I'm like, I'm I'm glad of the actor choices, especially because it's a British movie. These are all like, they're all handsome guys. They're amazing actors, but none of them are built like if this movie was made in America, like the American cast would have been. So they can wear these 70s fashions and they fit genuinely because they're these all guys kind of built. They're all kind of dumpy. Yes. And like, it's also uh, the way the, the superficial like analysis or just critique of the movie uh, when it comes to fashion is it was in that weird in-between time because the movie is based in 1973 where you have older British men who will only ever wear suits and vests. But yeah. starting to take upon, starting to take on those wider lapels and trying to grow a little bit of sideburn, they're all like they're all slowly transitioning into yeah, like modern style. They're just they're dipping their toe into the modern, terribly ugly '70s styles. Oh, they are because the yeah, because some of the lapels are enormous, and this is it. I I kind of think that the fashion in the TV version is way worse, which makes it way better. But um, it was more it was more genuine to the time though because it was yeah, only it was eight years it. out. That's, that's what it was filmed. Like they didn't, mm-hmm. they, you know, they didn't have to go recreate it. They just went to you know Harry's. I have so I like I I want to thank you for introducing me even to like rewatching this thing because the movie did not wow me as much as I remember, but the TV movie. Um, anybody who's made it this far in the episode. I highly recommend the TV movie for Tinker Tale, a soldier spy from the BBC in 1979. That it's was free. so good. Yeah. It's free on YouTube. Check it out. It's, it's, it has characters that are totally omitted from the film, um, including, um, um, What's there's the name a guy, guy, Monty. It's like Monty Rittenhouse or something like that. <laughs> Uh, it's like this kind of gossipy older gay guy who, well, you don't know that he is, but it's heavily inferred, right? I um, think everybody in the film and the TV movie was, they were told by the director, like, your character's actually gay. Well, that's, so I read the official CIA review of the film. Yes, thank you for passing that along. And it was basically like, well, a lot of the spy shit was just as drab as it shows. You would need <laughs> to distribute orders and we're not really down with that gay shit it was yeah. like um it was like well you know this guy and this guy was gay but in the book this guy was gay and he's not gay at all in the movie and you know we figured that was probably added for political correctness yes that's pretty much exactly what it said yeah, um, yeah. and they're not wrong like adding the in interview the... was just like i don't know man this shit's sus yeah um yeah i just want to explain to the listener right now because yeah earlier today william sent me the cia review of the 2011 tinker taylor soldier spy movie yes the cia reviews films but not in the way you'd think it's a very self-serving kind of review because it's not telling you whether or not the movie's good it's just it's the review is framed into whether or not it makes spy spycraft look okay I just prefer to think that the CIA has their own version of like a student newspaper. Because <laughs> that's what it is. Because like, this is just like a couple agents review pop culture. Yeah. And 
talk because they say that the importance of that is one how the secret serv how the clandestine services are viewed from the outside to clients the, the to clients yes yeah to like the type of people that are recruited by them because it's like you know if you watch Tinker Taylor and you're like I want to be like Ricky Tar you know I want to go murder people and then have sex with Russian women and promise that I'm going to free them and then just fucking <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's pretty much how they finished the entire um, the entire review was by saying like so does the movie make people want to join the CIA let's just say probably not <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it was just like well the Americans are in there at one point but the movie isn't as uh, anti-American as uh, Le Carre's increasingly shrill tone in his later novels yes exactly they use the term shrill for Le Carre <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> definitely like gay coding well, gay coding, but I was also like, man, that's like you're um, that's usually we usually save that for women. And, <laughs> I mean, but it really is. That is. Like, I think uh, they thought that his name was like Carrie LeJohn or something. So there's uh, I guess those are like the superficial themes. And then also it's, it's a lot of bad food. Because I, I look, I feel like modern British food is 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 uh, better than its reputation, right? Mm -hmm. This was when it was not, and not just the British food, but like so when he meets the uh, the general at, at like an indoor shopping mall in um, uh, blah, 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 in in Hungary Budapest. in Budapest. Yeah. But the general's eating a, a toast triangle with like sliced weenies on it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about how you can't get good goulash because all the pigs are going to Moscow now. And um, later, Lacan, who late, who also has a really nice turtleneck and like Glenn Plaid checked wide lapel jacket look in the film oh, when he's yeah, yeah. chilling out at home. It's like Lacan's like, I'm going to slip into my turtlenecks when I get home. <laughs> um, like you know he has at least three different camel hair jackets um, Lacan is like passive aggressively eating toast Can yes you... <laughs> that's absolutely right because <laughs> like Roy Bland is going off on like he's having like a flashback and he's just like we're the only thing standing between you and the third bloody world war and he's just like leaned as far back in his chair as he can slathering butter on a piece of toast like mm -hmm. yeah and that piece of toast took extra foley work because they really played up the crunch of that <laughs> old overdone toast yes yes and it's like you know the toast was served in one of those weird um pieces of food furniture the weird like toast <laughs> you know what i'm talking about the, um like a, kind of like, 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 like a dish with toast. legs on it yeah like the where the toast is served sideways, it's like side up, you know. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's like it's like a it's like a bike frame for uh, yeah. for toast. It's a CD tower, but for toast. Ah, uh, <laughs> there we go. This is my toast collection. <laughs> um, um, in the in the TV show, the food is even worse. There's a scene where he's talking to um the guy who says diplomatic immunity and lethal weapon two, and yes, that's right in the TV movie. The guy is just shoveling brownish gray lumps. Yeah, the, like I I paused that scene oh. and this was but this was also a, a British movie, a British TV show, sorry, made in 1979. And so I can't I can't help but think the food was authentic 
and it was just a brown gray sludge. And it's just the type of restaurant it was also serves beer and pewter steins. And no windows. So that's how the food is. Is everything like, you know, those that time in the 70s where they thought the coolest thing you could do for furniture was just to make it a big log. (laughs) The the tabletop would just be like from like a sequoia. Mm -hmm. Everything just was tree rings or wood paneling. We were just like, got all this wood. Let's just fuck it up. And like everything was all all furniture and all indoor like design was just kind of made to swallow light, it seems. Or maybe that's just what film and TV make us think because of like how hard it was to light things. It looked every like it looked like the lighting was all the color of your pee when you're dehydrated. <laughs> yes. And a lot of the clothing was that color too. Actually, um, you know who we should get on this podcast are the fucking the, the, the reviewers from the CIA. No, thanks. Like Operative Jay Sherman. <laughs> yes, thanks. <laughs> um, it made me think, think like yesterday. This, uh, Sorry, go ahead. What do you think about this uh, Central American uh, democratically elected leader? He stinks. <laughs> Tom Cruise is on cruise control. Um, no, um, when I was watching the movie yesterday, it reminded me the first time I ever watched it. The film version is by the final act, very difficult to parse out kind of what's happening unless you're paying laser focus attention. Yeah. I had, I had the misfortune of watching the film on an Emirates flight where they did things like blur out blood they removed any scene even hinting at homosexuality or adultery and they also blurred out the scene where you see colin firth making out with um gary oldman's wife so do they even mention Anne at all because that's another that's this is this is like not a superficial thing but it is a Mm -hmm. theme film is that is that smiley is like turbo cut the entire everybody's like oh man did you see you know i heard she's fucking the bellhop you know what i mean or like everybody's love to ann everybody's love to ann <laughs> like, and then pretty like, much just forcing his index finger in between in the hole he's made in his other hand yeah like he's walking out there's a scene where alec guinness as smiley on the tv version is walking home and he goes everybody's love to ann it's like wow you really yeah the yeah, for listeners who maybe have not watched the movie, like the George Smiley character in John Le Carre novels is a recurring character and kind of a beloved character, as beloved I guess as you can get in a spy series. But I like and, the fact like he's not played as like this virile like James Bond where he's yes. like fucking every girl in every continent. He's like a shitty husband. His wife is like cool and fun and likes to fuck, <laughs> and like he doesn't. And he's, yes. but it is cool enough just to let it happen. I guess that's a British thing. So the so character like, of George Smiley, played by Gary Oldman, is a not a great husband, and his wife cheats on him with just about everybody, and everybody he works with knows this, and they, <laughs> weapon, they weaponize this against yes. him. And they not actually, so much they, in the they, film as they do in the TV show, but yeah, like the, it's the still a huge part of the story. The TV show has six episodes of them just being like, you know, that's yeah. why I fucked your bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it is straight up six episodes of like his colleagues high-fiving each other after like doing snaps on george smiley yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's fucking, it's so insane. Um, and like, yeah, Roy Blaine is in the background doing the robot coughing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, one thing. Is the Roy Blaine? How do I want to say this? Because there's so much to say about the smiley thing. Like, but what I was yeah. saying was in the Emirates flight, like it was, you could tell that two people were kissing in a scene, but they blurred out the man and the woman in the scene. It was so weird. It's just like, why even have it on the flight in the first place? That's so strange because you miss the fact that Colin Firth is doinking uh, Gary Oldman's wife in the film. Yeah, he brings her. There's a great scene. So Smiley gets um, cheated on so much. He's putting a little wooden shim in the crack of his door when he leaves. So he, when he comes over, if a little piece of wood is laid on the ground, he's like, oh, land's getting fucked. Oh. <laughs> Oh, he just knows to go out and do something oh, else for another hour. Darn. Actually, that's something that he and his wife agreed to. If you come home and the wood is on the ground, just don't it just it's like the sock on the door thing. Hey, wood's on the ground is going down. Beat it, bitch. <laughs> right? Anne's getting her fuck on. And you uh, you think you work in the circus. Wait till you see how many clowns I can fit inside my <laughs> Um, no, I, um, I think that, like, this is part of why the George Smiley me, character became okay, such an enduring character. Sorry, you're saying? saying Bill Hayden brought me a painting. You see that smile? Yeah. It's an awful daub, really, but that was, that was a nice turn of phrase that Colin Firth says. He goes, awful daub, really? <laughs> Just to call a painting a daub. Awful daub, but Anne likes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While he's forcing his shoes into his boots. Yeah, he's putting on his Clark's Desert boots. Yeah, Clark's also, Desert boots with a suit. Well, that was, I think, you know, that you know, he's known as the dashing, um, you know, fuck pig. Mm-hmm. And um, also, Clark's have gum soles, uh, which are easier to sneak around in when you're laying pipe. And, yeah, the creep, they're creeping shoes. Yeah, well, that's why um, detectives used to be called gum shoes. Get the fuck out of here. No, that's why. Because they wore shoes with crepe soles like Clark's. Oh, hell yeah. All right. I've got to get another pair. I haven't had a pair in years. And I bought a pair. I want a lace here. Changed them. They change. You have to make sure, like, because, like, they all, it's almost harder to find the Clark's with the actual crepe soles because they're they're making, like, a cheaper version in Vietnam now or something. Uh huh. And so I bought, I got a pair of desert boots and it had, like, a fucking rubber sole. They're uncomfortable as shit. Oh. Okay, shit. Like there was a like a five year stretch where yeah, it was pretty much all I would wear, and it was hell on my feet. Yeah, well, I I've had a couple pairs here and there. I I think they're comfortable. I like the wallaby too, but it looks like you're walking around in a big brownie. Yeah, like in high school, I saw a pair of wallabies. I I like I've always wanted a pair since I fucking bought like Ghostface Killer's first album, and it's just him. And Raekwon, like, holding a bunch of wallabies, I had to have a pair. Yeah, if you look up, uh, and there's an artist called Sycamore Style, you can get um, custom-colored wallabies. And he makes them for Ghostface. So you can get, like, the Ghostface red or the blue wallabies with, like, the gold tips on the laces. Like, I ended up spending, like, 90 dollars. I ended up spending 90 high school dollars, which is no small amount of money in high school, on a pair of wallabies. Then never wore them. Because what do you wear them with? Khakis. I guess I just wasn't a khaki kid. 
I guess you can wear them with a. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a fashion. Yeah, fuck it. I'm not. In high, I'm not. I don't have those shoes. Um, yeah. Back to Smiley though, because him getting cucked yet still being really capable at his espionage job at the spy factory, I think, is what made him such an enduring character. Because, like I was saying to you yesterday, it's kind of like Liam Neeson in the Taken movies was a rallying cry for divorced dads. Yeah, for like a uh, Cracker Barrel Second Amendment dads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the Smiley character really spoke to a whole generation of like middle-aged British guys. I think that it did, but I think that his appeal is much more universal than that because I would argue that Smiley <clears throat> is a great example of um, him not needing external validation. It's of him finding approval for himself from within mm-hmm. because his wife doesn't give it to them. His coworkers don't give it to him. I mean, he gets fucking canned so that like he's out of his job and never, yeah. and he doesn't ever sit there and say, well, I'm a fucking piece of shit failure. No, he just slowly grinds, slowly grinds, never gets too worked up, never gets too down and just finishes the job. And in the end he perseveres. And he never needed anybody else to tell him, Smiley, you're good, you can do it. He just yeah. did it. He didn't need outside outside accolades. He didn't even need his own penis and his wife. He no. just I actually here's what I wanted though. I did want Smiley at some point in his house to go up to his bedroom and we see on his marital bed the the, the like the, the pillowcase and comforter combo of like the pillowcases say best bitch wife ever, best asshole husband <laughs> ever. Harry with the skeletons kissing on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and then like randomly like the underwear from every member of Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> no, like it's just a bunch of people's like feet sticking out from under the bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is his wife fucking uh in the the grandparents' bed from Willy Wonka? <laughs> <laughs> I said under the bed, not the, uh, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> but, you know. What if all the members of Circus slept in one bed? Because <laughs> they're all old. That's another thing is, like, this is an old movie. These mm-hmm. are, like, when you're, like, Benedict Cumberbatch is, like, what is he, like, 12? It's because, like, Colin Firth is, like, the hunk still in 2011. Yeah. And it's so weird. Colin Firth, his face looks like the inside of a catcher's mitt, but he's the sexiest British man that's ever existed. He looks like Firth. Yeah, it's true. Like, he just looks like Firth. When um, the name fits. Yes. And then there's Toby Esterhouse, or Esther Hazy in the TV series. Yes. Who's played by, like, a, a weird, transparent-skinned... Oh, all of those guys look like they are products of Britain of that time. No sun, <laughs> no windows. Yeah, they're, they're like... Greens. All people you've seen in other movies, but like even Siren Hines is like he has like he he they they don't make people that look like that anymore. Yeah, true. Like looks like he should be from like a daguerreotype. Um, has, has Siren Hines ever played a Native American? Because he looks like somebody they would have been like, yeah, get Siren Hines back in the '90s when they did not care about that shit. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. That I'm gonna have to look into that. Yeah, if he was ever shedding a single tear on the side of a road. (laughs) 
that, that, looking, was, that was an Italian man, by the way. Looking into the movie, though, yesterday, I saw that the original the, – the director is Thomas Alfredson, yeah. who – had a good run like he had let the right one in which is an amazing movie the original version in swedish and then he did tinker taylor and then in 2017 he did that the snowman movie with michael fassbender which michael is the snowman yeah the one with with the poster was like dear mr police you'll never catch me or whatever and it's like a drawing (laughs) it was panned by everybody not the movie where Michael Keaton is uh, divorced and gets turned into a snowman. That's a real movie. I know. Oh, I know. I remember that one. That was another rallying cry for divorced dads. After that movie came out, all these that's, divorced dads were just dressing as snowmen. Yeah, that's the Citizen Kane of the men's rights uh, activists. <laughs> but, like, the original director slated to direct it was Park Chan-wook, the guy who did Old Boy. Wait, of Tinker Taylor? Yeah, yeah. He was the first director that was signed on, and then something else came up for him, so they got Thomas Alfredson. I would love to have seen that. I really feel like, and look, the movie is not the greatest movie by any means. I, sure. But I do feel like once you understand, like, there's shit that I miss. Like, I, like, I remember the first couple times I watched it, I missed the scene where when the heat's getting turned up on uh, Smiley and on um, um, not uh, on Cumberbatch's character. Yeah, Gwillem. Gwillem, yeah, yeah, Gwillem. When it's getting turned up on Smiley and Gwillem, he tells him to make sure his, everything's in order, and Gwillem goes and, like, breaks up with his gay lover. Yeah. Like, I've completely missed that the first couple times I watched it. And part of it I is missed because, it because it was edited out of the fucking Emirates flight. I'm sure. And then part of it is, when you watch it, it's the same color palette as everything else. So it's almost like your mind doesn't register that they're in it. Oh, this is a new scene, a new location, a new thing. Yeah. Is happening. You're like, cause everything's kind of yellowish mustardy or, you know, whereas the, everything's like mustardy or like green or like dusty. And mm-hmm. in the TV series, everything's like pastel. It looks like a bed and breakfast, everything, every room, like you don't know if they live there or they're, they're just staying there while they on their sick grandma and yeah um it does make the very first scene when Prito gets to uh bruno in the in the tv series where he's like just driving through mud and there's like kids playing with stray dogs and like car axles like this is a pretty good i imagine this is exactly what it was like but at least it was outside because so much of so much of the TV series of Tinker Taylor just takes place, like you told me earlier, in yeah, windowless rooms. It's windowless rooms or like awful looking continental European restaurants. Um, <laughs> just the kind where you yeah, it's I don't every every food is a is like it's it's a British stereotype. Everything's boiled. It's absolutely true. Everything's boiled and all of the all of the green veg is just wilted. Because there was no sun for it to grow in. No. No. I was also, like, I was looking into it, and, yeah, I guess Fassbender was supposed to take on the um, Benedict Cumberbatch role, but then he he had to go and do the X-Men First Class movie. Oh, goddammit. Yeah, honestly, I would take Fassbender in either, like, the Tom Hardy or the Cumberbatch roles. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the thing about Fassbender is he's such a method actor. Like, he could just grow out whatever hairstyle at will, and they wouldn't have to use a terrible wig. Yeah. I, I, oh, 
Of course you would, and I would watch him in, in like anything. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm Come a strong I, I want John LeCarré cinematic universe. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm going to get into after this is Smiley's People, the the second half, because that was the TV movie of Tinker Taylor was actually Alec Guinness had never done TV before. Nobody could get him to do it except for this. And that is because it was such a beloved character, right? Oh, actually, it was because Le Carre actually came to him personally and said, like, hey, nobody else can do this. I've always thought about you in this role as the most cucked man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> actually, speaking of Smiley being cucked, I, I don't know why. I was vacuuming yesterday, and I was chuckling to myself just at the idea of the movie starting with a voiceover from Colin Firth talking about Smiley and Anne just um, – did you ever watch the Suicide Squad movie, how it starts with a dumb voiceover? Uh, no, I have never. Like, just call, Colin Firth I love doing my... voiceover about, like, she was fearless and crazier than him. She was his queen. And God, and God help any man who disrespects his queen. So I've seen that. I've seen the clips of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Oh. Why. I was cracking myself up yesterday thinking about that. Also, you know what? We never see Carla in the in the movie. Yeah. You never see his face. Um, you see his back, and you see the, like the side of him as he's yeah. watching the operation with Preto go down. And this was like a, a bad thing. Carla, for the listeners, Carla is in Le Carre's universe, the spy master of Moscow. And he is the most um, mysterious guy. A lot of people say they don't even know he exists. Um, and in the TV movie, he's played by Patrick Stewart, who doesn't say a word. I was nope. waiting for him to say something, but it was young, hot Patrick Stewart. Yeah, with a beard, like a monk's beard, mm -hmm. as them in the book. And then, did you watch the? Did you watch all of Smiley's People? No, I haven't even gotten into it yet. Oh, wow, okay, because he's there too, but he looks different. Oh, really? Because and in, he still sorry, doesn't. Have a line. He's still what? Doesn't have a line. <laughs> so what one, one, thing that, one thing that um, they're talking about Smiley's people makes me think of, because I think I made the comment to you that in that Smiley seemed much more ruthless. But upon like a second watch of the TV series and a thirty-second watch of the of the movie, mm. that is another aspect of Smiley, is that he is. When he has the advantage over you, and he knows he does because of information gathering, he will be pretty ruthless. Like, mm. he becomes a pretty catty bitch. Um, like, there's the line where he, where he approaches uh, Lacan and the, and the um, politician, right? The minister. Mm. And, you know, he says, you know, the intelligence wasn't to lure you. It was to lure the Americans. <laughs> now do you want to now do you want to take credit for that? And then he just turns and walks away like a mic drop moment. And it's very like he's very even keeled, but like he has these moments where it's like this feeling makes up for wearing the cuckold's hat. Mm -hmm. um, it's like I really feel like he's like I don't need the love of my wife because I yeah. just. I don't think because he's you know you rarely see him with the wife at the end of the TV 
series, you see him with his wife for a moment, but never in the film. He he shows up and his wife's there. But like, he basically calls him autistic. Yeah, sure. He's, he's so not interested in the fact that everybody he knows has fucked his wife. I think that's also because he, he has no self-awareness as well. Mm, I don't read it as that. I, well, I, I read it as, like, the job is the only thing. Oh, yeah, well, that's, a, yeah. I mean, he's he's a workaholic. I mean, like, if you look at the clandestine services, none of those people have good family life. Well, how, let me how, tell you, I do not. How could you, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I think that, yeah, I, I just think that he, I don't know how much of it is, like, the, the stiff upper lip, you know, mm-hmm. of, like, okay, if these people want to, like, talk shit about my life, like, whatever, I'm not going to give them the advantage of, like, reacting to it. Um, it's true. And some of it is, like, is just, <clears throat> is diplomacy. Like, there's an aspect of, like, the clandestine services where it's, like, you don't you don't give things away through your reaction, you know? Yeah. And, and even in the in the TV movie, uh, when everybody's weaponizing the fact that his wife is a massive slut. He um, does, brings it up. He's, he's yeah, like, he brings up the fact that they only say that when they want me to fuck off. They only they only say that when they when I like when they say that I know I'm getting to them. Yeah, and he does mention a couple of times or like when he's there's there's at least two scenes where he's asking one of his co-workers i guess you'd call them um you know, but somebody said <laughs> and they hesitate and he's like did they mention me did they mention ann and they're like yes yeah. and he's yeah. like yeah of course they did and i think that there is something to be said there's something that we could market here which is like a like a smiley mindset thing where you can get ahead at work by letting all of your colleagues fuck your wife <laughs> and then you can use that like if they if they're tell if they're talking about fucking your wife, you know they're trying to get under your skin. Keep it cool, and you can gain the upper hand on them. Yeah, ABC, ABC always be cut. <laughs> ABFA always be fucking Ann. <laughs> but yeah, he is. That is like um. I do like the fact that he does have a nice scene with Anne at the end of the series because, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't know. I haven't gotten into the books. I'm reading, I'm reading Tinker Taylor now by that. I mean, I'm on like the second page. Um, <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. And you've read the books. No, no, no. Like okay. my, my entire experience with Corey is pretty much in the last two days watching the, uh, watching the series. And rewatching well, the movie. Say next, you should check out the spy who came in from the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, it is good. It is. Yeah, it's good. Look, oh, look at it. I just read. Um, Park Chan Wook was meant to direct Tinker Taylor. Didn't do it. But then in 2018, he did the Little Drummer Girl TV series, which I hear is amazing. I've heard it's really good. That's also Lucaray. I haven't. Mm-hmm. What what is that streaming on? I I think it was an Amazon show, but okay. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure. Top of my head. No, I probably... thought, I, that somehow came up in my mind a couple weeks ago, and I just forgot about it. Um, I yeah, that's 
kind of wild. I wonder. I really wonder how the movie would have been different. And I really feel like, um, oh, what I would highly recommend if somebody wants a jumping off point is the Night Manager. The TV show. I hated it actually. I didn't like it at first. I gave it another chance, and I liked it a lot. I I look. I like. I like gun running. I like spies. Mm-hmm. I like nice hotels. Um, I like. <laughs> unavailable women with whom it is a bad idea to pursue a relationship. All these things are in my wheelhouse. Um, so. I like managers. This is just, this is just great night, stuff. I like it. I like a tan suit. Um, I like Loki. I like Tom Hiddleston. I like house MD. He's like, I'm house. I'm house with funds. Seeing, like, I guess because in the last two days I've watched, what, like, six hours of this Tinker Tailor TV series, I'm totally entrenched in suits and so glad that we live in a time where I don't have to wear them. I'm not expected to. Well, my office is, like, a suit office. Oh, yeah, that's right. But... They did adjust. They did it. They so they asked us to come back. They asked us to start coming back to work soon, and they're not going to require masks. And they're not going to do distancing, and so they wanted to see if we would be willing to return to those conditions. And everybody was like, "No." And then, like the same day, they released an updated dress code where it's like, "Well, guess what? You can wear polo shirts on Fridays now." And that was supposed to get you guys to come in, despite no distancing, no masks. No, but it was just like a transparently shitty like uh, carrot. Yeah, won't somebody think of the HR department? Oh, God. At times like these? You know what? Some of those people, probably this is like the first time they have a legitimate, like, stress at work. Yeah, fair enough. I've never known an HR person actually do anything. But then again, my main experience is in China. Yeah, I mean, in the U.S., it's like to, to legally cover their own ass and then to get whatever shit they need to get on you to manipulate you and fire you when they, whenever they need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I, and then like, also there's just like find good benefits and shit for us too. But like, you know, well, there's the best benefit right now is staying home, staying safe and watching Tinker Taylor for the 31st time. You know what I did? I watched it yesterday. I might watch it again. Um, today? Maybe. I don't know. The day's still young for you, kind of. But it sure is, yeah. It's I'm it's a movie the- of it's a movie of not many colors. It's a movie that is quiet. It's a movie where no loud movements, no fast, yeah. no no fast movements, no loud noises. It's got a killer. Uh, it's got a couple killer music pieces in it. Okay, everybody sings. The Russian, uh, the Soviet national anthem. Yes, that and was the director's idea. I think it was Gwilym who's in the in the Santa costume, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, there's a cool French song. Um, Le Mer. That's a great song. And, and the mix is so loud that the first time that I watched it on the Emirates flight, I thought that they added it to cover over some kind of offensive voiceover. <laughs> it was really like it was really off-putting that first time that I listened to it. 
or watch the movie. And um, yeah, speaking of the very end of the movie where Prado, played by Mark Strong, who you usually only see as villains. And in this movie, he was great as like a sympathetic character, this spy who, yeah, had gone through terrible shit. His yeah. fit when he goes on his killing mission to kill, um, oh, it's to so kill tight. that is, I've never seen a sweater like that. It's yeah. so fucking cool. Uh, his like his like outdoorsman sweater. Yeah, his weird like all khaki look, and it's even in the belted, right. He has like a belt. His shirt is like belted. Yes, he's got a he's got a belt over his shirt, which is that's like a big seventies thing. For the seventies, that was space age shit. Yeah, and like, it was it was very like it was kind of like safari outfits, which mm-hmm. were big then too. And also the Prado character in the TV uh, in the TV series, I'm always surprised when like you watch um, films from maybe 50s, 60s, 70s Britain. You see knit sweaters of a style that you just don't see anymore. You're just like, where did that go? He's wearing like this V-neck with these two floppy collars on it. I, you'd have to get to the point in the TV movie where you see him again. But there's so many, there's so many long gone sweaters just lost to a bygone age. Yeah, there, there's some really nice sweaters. There's some real, <clears throat> real chunky knits, is what it is. You know what like I mean? Chunky knits. Yeah, these are not like super thin merino wool. This is like yarn, like just a thick a turtleneck that looks like you're wearing like a clown's collar, like a Shakespeare collar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but just think of how cold and damp everybody was to require, like every suit had a vest, to require all those layers. For everybody sure. was cold because everybody was old and had paper thin skin and no muscle definition at all. There was nothing to sustain them no this is where like everybody considered the strongest man in the world was just like a fat guy that's true yes it's just like he had a, like perk douglas was on tv as like a strong man with just like this big blank barrel chest yes, spartacus was like the most buff cut person they'd ever seen yeah not an ab to be found the strongest man was just the guy who could eat two breakfasts that's <laughs> <laughs> how it was back then uh, my my wife is here. She watched the movie. Did you understand any of the movie yesterday? Uh, no. Nothing. Yeah, parts. 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 She understood some of the parts. Well, give it a second, third, thirty fourth viewing. Yeah, and... give it give it twenty to thirty watches like William has. Oh, that's gonna be too hard. Yeah, that's too much for her. She couldn't even get to the one yesterday. I got to quickly, there's one guy who every time I watch the movie, I want to take a picture of. I always just forget because he's only there for like half a second. But it's when Gwillem is going to steal the documents. Mm-hmm. He's on the phone with the fake mechanic or the real mechanic, which I love that scene, too. Where like, Wait, I, hold on. Let me see if I can guess who. Is it the long haired guy who's in the like? Yes. Half of his body is in the car dancing to the song. No, no, that's that guy's good. I'm talking about the guy who's in MI6 and he like looks up all snitchily from his desk and looks at Gwilym. And I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. They're in the reading room or whatever. Yeah, he's there for like a half second, and that actor does such a good job. They're like, look, just look like a fucking snitch. Just look like a nosy. All right, I'm gonna. I'm actually going to screen grab that scene and make it the make it the artwork for this episode. 
right, that what, actually nailed. You know what? There's no, there's no uh, small roles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got nailed actually, it. Actually, Lecare, Lecare himself is in the Christmas party scene in the background, and I Fucking was looking for him. <laughs> I was looking for him in those scenes, and the fact is, there are like twelve guys with white hair and bald on top, so you cannot tell which one is him. Yeah, it looks like my office Christmas party. That's the management. Um, Lecare <laughs> you know, plays like just a guy in the background going to town on Ann. That was that did look like some fucking Christmas party though. I gotta say, that was a Mad Men ass Christmas party. Everybody mm-hmm. was like, per- Percy was getting yelled at for for being a dumb Protestant and not putting the correct amount of liquor in the punch. Yes. <laughs> and he's oh, all like, it's like I follow the recipe, and he's like, they didn't. He's like, I follow the recipe. That actor I think is Toby Jones. I think that's his name. He's such a wormy-looking dude who has really capitalized off of looking like a rat's thumb. Every time he would come on screen, my wife would visibly shudder. He's just such a he's such a strange-looking man with this protruding forehead, but a fucking killer actor. Yeah. The guy's in the guy's in so many good things, and he kills it every time. But like, oh yeah, did, did you ever see him as? Oh, who's the gay writer wrote A Time to Kill? Is it A Time to Kill? Capote. Sorry? Truman Capote. No. Yes, Capote, like, yeah. He played... Time to Kill? To Kill a Mockingbird, which was also not written by Harper Truman Lee. Capote, by Harper Lee, who was... But, but people used to say that he wrote it, not her. Oh, great. That was before we knew women could do stuff. <laughs> before we would acknowledge it. Thinker Taylor, I think there are like four, three or four lines by women. One of them is if you can count when you can hear Anne sing along to um, the second best spy. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the second best secret agent, which that song slaps. Um, is that in the Christmas scene? Yeah. All right, I need to I need to listen to that again because I didn't pick up on a slapping song. Yeah, it's it's uh it is um what's his name um the uh Rat Pack uh Not Sammy Davis. it's Sammy Davis Jr. It's a song. It's the second best secret agent in the whole wide world. Oh great! And that was probably for like a failed movie franchise they wanted to get going. That it was, and like and the part Anne sings along with is when it's talking about how he still sleeps with a bunch of women. Hell yeah! And she's going any dames and. <laughs> That's the only line she gets, and then um, the girl from Downton Abbey gets, like, two lines trying to hit on Peter Gwillem, and then Belinda the Blonde has a quick scene where she just says you for- to Gwillem, like, you forgot your bag. Yes, this is true, and, like, yeah, like, the, the lady in the office hitting on Benedict Cumberbatch's character, yeah. and then he goes home to his boyfriend and breaks up with him, like, it... It's kind of just added for no reason, just texture, I guess. The CIA certainly didn't appreciate it. No, the CIA fucking yeah. hate that. They were just like, we're not down with the gay shit. What can we tell you? This shit is for SJWs, and we do not condone it. Yeah, gorilla mindset. Don't try to make spy. Don't try to make this spy shit woke. All right, smiley <laughs> mindset. 
it makes us all look bad if you make the British look gay, okay? Because we work with them very closely. So Nobody want to join the CIA if they know that they can be like hot, sexy, gay, international espionage agents. Like, who wants to do that? Who wants to like have great hair, wear an amazing suit, and have secret boyfriends all over the world? Nobody's going to want to do that. Like, you just get to fuck everybody, I guess, if you're in the CIA. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's like being a flight attendant, but, like, with better retirement plans. Yeah, like a tiny gun you can pull out of anywhere. Oh, all which right. is like a fun scene when, when Frito goes to Bruno. He just, like, goes like, a toy store and buys a gun. Hold on, what? <laughs> yeah. Frito, in the, in the TV series, when he gets to Czech Republic... Like he goes to like what looks to be a toy store and buys a fucking gun from behind the counter. I think I missed that. Yeah. Oh shit! No. Uh, fucking... fucking hell. All right, I'm gonna have to go back to that. Let's let's wrap this up. Any any okay. closing thoughts on Tinker Taylor? Because you're not done with the film. No, and like I think there's other themes that I'll just quickly touch on. Like there's the you know the fear of the new generation being you know, brash and greedy and looking for shortcuts, which led to uh, witchcraft. Um, there's that whole theme, mm. you know, and there's also the theme which you touched on of like a, the death of an empire, which that is, you know, that's interesting to me seeing like that's a very different type of decline than the one that we're currently facing in America. Yeah. Um, well, Willie, you notice that like these are smart themes and the only themes that we've covered on this show is whose hair looks stupid and whose outfits look good. Well, yeah, well, who wants to hear about the other shit? But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's also, there is a, something that does appeal to me because it is the aspect of espionage at a time where it was more human. Um, mm. You know, like dead drops are still a huge deal now just because it circumvents technology. But the fact that like, okay, you can maybe have like a wiretap or maybe somebody has a, a telescopic lens taking a photo but there's no spy satellites. There's no encrypted emails. There's no, you know, um, you know, hacking and shit like that. It's like a yeah. very, it's almost like the machinations of the world were more mortal and were slower and easier to understand and understand your role within it. Sure. Whereas now, I mean, your life's gone reputationally if like something leaks or like people can look up every bit of information about you that you've ever put online. You know, it's just, everything's different now. And espionage mm-hmm. is much different. Um, there's still a huge, like, person-to-person aspect of it, if you look at a lot of the stuff that China's doing. Um, yeah. Which, there's a great book, I think it's called, like, The Eagle and the Dragon, about Chinese espionage in America right now. Very good. Mm-hmm. Check that out. But, yeah, there, <clears throat> so there are themes that I pick up on. But the thing, I think, that me trying to hold everything together during quarantine and you know everybody who kind of shares worries about personal growth and um validation and all that kind of stuff you look at smiley as like he's deeply flawed but he is like self-contained yeah he he isn't needy in any way to other people and that that's nice and that is a nice way of looking at the film i kind of get why you're so into it well not not even into it it's just Using it, using it in this way, yeah. as a, as a therapeutic kind of film. I'd rather uh, have that in the office, something that's just gonna make me fucking dumber. Oh fuck it, no man, I've got so many Facebook. It's just where the wild cousins roam. 
And this is where, like, I just get updated all the time about how my cousins are rewatching the fucking office for the 50th time because it's locked down. Great stuff. Yes. Mm, good for them. Uh, William, anything to plug? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna include your Twitter handle in the show notes and all that stuff. But anything anything you got going on? No. Nah, <laughs> hey, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'll be announcing any Zoom shows that I do on the air, or if I ever do get around to making a dumb front facing camera video, I'll, <laughs> I'll put it on the air. But um, as it stands now, you know, just check me out. Uh, on based on Twitter and uh, Instagram and um, you know, stay safe, everybody. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording now. But before I do that, um, everybody, thank you for listening. I want to thank William again. Watch Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the the BBC miniseries on fucking YouTube. It is for free. Um, stopping recording. Qu'on voit danser les longues des gauches à des reflets d'argent la mer, des reflets changeants sous la pluie.